0: Thanks for listening to Parkview on the go. No matter where you're from, what your story is, or where you are on your spiritual journey, you belong here and we want to help you take a step toward God. If at any point along the way you feel like you want to have a conversation about faith, life, and where God might be leading you next, you can let us know at parkviewchurch.com slash next steps. That's parkviewchurch.com slash next steps. We hope this content encourages you to continue becoming the person God created you to be. Enjoy the service.
1: Oh, man. My wife and I had miscarriages. We wasn't even sure that we were going to have any kids. And then when Zach came along, it was like, Wow. This is pretty cool. What I love about my dad is his authenticity. I think mean, anyone that knows my dad, you're gonna know what he's good at. You're gonna know his flaws. He's gonna stand up for what he believes in, even if there's gonna be pushback or blowback. I love my dad because I loved when he gets home and give me a hug and kiss. I love the he places with me. I love going to baseball games with him, even if my baseball games canceled. And I love that stuff. My greatest regret as a father would be not being able to fully comprehend the concept of time, is being able just to live in the present live in the moment, and being a perfectionist by nature, having all my own character flaws, is I'm always looking at what could be rather than what is, and I just want to be able to live in the present. And so when I think about the life that I'm living and the three children that I have, and then the father that I still have with me, fortunately, I know that uh, the memories I have of my death and how I cherish those and how I hold tight to those. And what I hope Is that the memories I leave my children with have to do with my Heavenly Father loved me, my earthly daddy loved me, that we had fun together, that my dad cherished his time with me. Even in my worst moments, my flaws, my weaknesses, um, my dad still loved me and was proud of me. We uh, lived about two hours south, so we moved up here, and we go to church with them now. We, we make an effort to come to Parkview, and so it's just been really enjoyable. Happy Father's Day.
2: and happy father's day to all of you happy father's day i'm dad and i'm glad that you're here i I hope that you're enjoying the weekend welcome to you at homer and new lennox and orland park and online we're glad to have you with us uh you know i got to throw some stuff in so happy father's day right that's that's what we're talking about i ran across this recently this is kind of interesting with the new hairstyles you've got the the generation gap kind of fits in right you know, I mean, that's really interesting? And uh, we've been cleaning out the house a lot lately, uh, and uh, we ran across this birthday card that Becca, I don't know how old she was, but she gave it to her mom for her birthday. Happy birthday, mom. I love you so much. You're honestly the best mom ever. Thanks for always being sensitive to my sensitiveness, especially when dad wasn't. I love you. Happy birthday. I mean, what are dads for, right? I'm not going to be sensitive. Come on, get get over it. Is your arm broken? I don't know. Okay, but for whatever reason, um, we are glad to have you here and celebrate Father's Day. And um, I started the day, I started the year talking about this. I said the greatest obstacle to God's best in us is how we see ourselves. Okay, so for whatever reason, when I look at myself, there's a big gap between how I see myself and the way God. sees me. All right. We talk about that a lot around here. And guess what? This isn't God's problem. It's my problem. It's, It's your problem. Okay. He's not wrong. I am. And the word that comes to mind when I start thinking about problems in seeing myself the right way is obviously insecurity. Okay. Everyone has them. I promise you that I do. I have many. I have deep ones that I won't talk about because I'm too insecure to talk about them. But I'll just give you one. Okay. My legs. I have bird legs. I mean, like, bird legs. And you will hardly ever see me in shorts unless it's really hot. Because I have small bones, okay? I wear the ladies' Apple Watch. You know what I'm saying? And it still looks big, okay? Every time my mom sees me in shorts, she apologizes. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Knock it off, Mom. So I wouldn't be caught dead in skinny jeans. I thought about preaching in yoga pants to prove my point. But you're welcome. The great thing about this insecurity, however, is that I'm not reminded of it that often. I don't look at my legs in the mirror very often. I just look in the mirror. I see the thinning hair and the bags under my eyes. But I can still, you know, I can still say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And we all have insecurities, right? And that's okay. But many of you are reminded every day of your insecurities, and it's painful. And it's not okay. Most of our insecurities come from two places either your past or your people, okay? Maybe for you it started with a, a parent or a mom or dad that you could just never make proud. Yeah, you felt like they were always disappointed in you. Maybe it was a sibling. Maybe it was the kids on school in school or on the bus. Maybe it's not even about you and what you did. Maybe it's something that somebody did to you. And unfortunately, abuse sometimes leads to insecurity in people's lives. And you walk around with this feeling of shame. Okay. As we talk about behind the mask, that's what we've been thinking about. I just want you to understand understand that as we come out from behind this year of coronavirus, maybe you're walking around with this whisper that tells you that you're not going to amount to anything, that, that, that you're not worth anything, and you're afraid to come out from behind the mask. The bigger problem then insecurity is the huge obstacle it causes in going to where God wishes you to go, okay? Because in order to see what God sees in us, we have to be able to believe what God says about that uh, about us, okay? Leave this up long enough so that they'll take a picture of it, because this is so important. Because in order to see what God sees in us, we have to be able to believe what God says about us. So, So why am I talking about this today? because men are insecure. Okay? I know it doesn't seem like we are, but we are insecure. Dads are insecure. And every once in a while, when I talk about marriage, I I talk about this thing, about how, um, you know, how insecure we are affects our marriage, and it even affects our intimacy. And I knew there was this Great quote from my friend Shanti Feldhand. She's a Harvard researcher that did all this work on, uh, on, on what men and women need that are different. And here's what she said. She said, we don't realize how vulnerable men are. We don't realize how much self-doubt our men carry around about whether they are good at what they do. Am I any good as a father, as a worker, as a husband? That insecurity is very real. So we don't realize how much our men are secretly longing for appreciation and affirmation. Or how physical intimacy meets that emotional need for affirmation. He's inviting you into his world and showing you himself at his most vulnerable. He's hoping you will show him that he does measure up in your eyes. As one man put it on our survey, it is a solace that goes deep into the very heart of a man. Now, you may be going like, Tim, why are you bringing up intimacy on Father's Day? Take a hint, ladies, he doesn't need another necktie. Can I get a (laughs) dilly-dilly? I'm trying to help you to understand how insecure we are, okay? Stay with me. What I'm saying is that men deal with a deep insecurity. You just don't know it. And I think that dads are less effective than they could be because they don't know what they're doing, right? Or because they know they don't know what they're doing. That's what the problem is. Moms are really nervous at first, right? That first bath, that first changing, you know, nursing and all that stuff. But but at some moment, it just kicks in. And the guys are like, holy cow, she's got mother superpowers. How did this happen? Listen to me. Guys feel awkward until that kid goes to college, (laughs) right? Until I can write a check and then I'm okay. So this is why I I saved insecurity for for Father's Day. And Stay with me, because I want to tell you one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Last week was one of my least favorite stories, and this week is one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. It's a little ditty about a man named Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abirazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress, to keep it from the Midianites, okay? You had two groups of people back here. You had the Israelites, you got the Midianites, right? Uh, Gideon was a part of the Israelites. Um, the Midianites were the fighters. They were the ones that was oppressing everybody. And the Israelites were the farmers, okay? The Midianites were constantly bugging the Israelites. That's how the whole thing went. So with these two groups of people, what you have is there, the, the, the Midianites are stealing from the Israelites. That's what's going on. And the Israelites are are living in perpetual fear of the Midianites, which is why Gideon, if you didn't catch it right there, was threshing wheat, not on the wheat floor. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. Did you notice that? Trust me, this is not how you're supposed to thresh wheat. I'm from Oklahoma. Where the waving wheat, it sure smells sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain, right? Right? You're supposed to do it out in the open because what you do is you throw it up in the air and the wind takes the chaff and blows it off and then you're left with the the grain like you're supposed to. But Gideon was not doing it on a threshing floor. He was doing it on a wine press which probably would have been under a roof and partially underground. And it makes no sense unless you understand that what we see here is basically a modern day parable about a kid who was picked on who's in the bathroom stall eating his lunch, okay? Gideon is hiding in a wine press trying to do his job with the wheat, and it was a pit, okay? It was a pit. Just like many of us have been in for the last year. Can we we admit it? A pit of self-doubt, a pit of fear, a pit of anxiety, a pit of insecurity. And when you're in the pit, all you see is what? The pit, all right? You start to get consumed with everything that's going wrong because all you're doing is hiding. You can't see out. You can't see the future. It feels like you're at a dead end. You have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. You have a hard time smiling, finding joy in everything. Gideon was in a pit, and God pays Gideon a visit. Okay, I just want to tell you that if what I just described was you, male or female, whoever you are, God visits Gideon in the pit. Now, what do you think God would say to Gideon When he's in the pit, he should say, Gideon, get out of the pit, you big sissy. Right? But God is not your football coach or your drill sergeant. Listen to this. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. (laughs) Mighty warrior. He's hiding in the wine press, threshing his wheat. God looks at him in the middle of his pit. God looks at you in the middle of your pit, and God doesn't see the pit. God sees the higher perspective. He says, he sees what he says about you. And maybe all you can see today is the pit, and and especially fathers, I'm talking to you, okay? Here's Here's what I want you to remember. When you see you, you'll always question what God says, but when you see you like God sees you, you will actually believe what he says. Maybe not always, maybe you need to be reminded, maybe that's why you're here, but when you see you like God sees you, you can actually believe what he says. So I ask you, what comes to mind when you think about what God sees in you? You ever think about this? Because I I would guess, if I polled the room, if I polled you online, uh, that many of you would say, well, God's disappointed with me or he's angry with me. And in both cases, we convince ourselves that the first thing God thinks about when he looks at us is, oh, what a disappointment you are. Look at all the ways you've screwed up, the sins that we've committed. But I want to tell you that's not the case. You're going to see this today. I love this quote from David Benner. When God thinks of you, love swells in his heart and a smile comes to his face. Does that sound right to you? Might not have been the way that you grew up, but I promise you that's absolutely true. Can I promise you something? If you hear this quote and you don't believe it, I would propose that the God you think you know and the God of the Bible are two totally different things. And that's a huge problem. Yeah, God's aware of your shortcomings. And guess what? He's not appalled by them. God has seen your sin and he is not ashamed of you. God has seen your greatest failures, and he still sees you as the pinnacle of creation. God has seen your insecurities and your excuses, and he still has more for you, even if you're hiding in the pit. And what he says is more important than what you see. And when you see how he sees, you can believe what he says. Or you can believe everybody else. You can believe social media. Everybody else makes more money than you, has a better marriage, and is always smiling. Or you can believe the truth. You can be like the alabaster jar woman a couple of weeks ago. That was the question. Are you going to listen to them? They say she's a sinful woman. Or are you going to listen to Jesus who says your sins are forgiven, go in peace? So the angel says, greetings, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, mighty warrior? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? He starts just going off on the angel of the Lord. Where are all the wonders our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. You feel like that? Like your prayers just have bounced off the ceiling and you're like, okay, you call me mighty warrior, but what about, what about all the stuff that's going on right now? And the Lord turned to him and said, Look, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Like, quit griping about what I haven't done and partner with me and let's go fix it. Am I not sending you? Which leads Gideon to a second question. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? How can I be a good dad, Lord? Come on. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. I mean, he, he's the least, right? He's probably spent his life being looked down upon by everybody else. And Gideon is afraid because of his inadequacies. I'm just a nobody. I, I don't think I'm capable of doing anything for God. I don't think I'm capable of leading the people. That's what he's thinking. But God's answer is the way he always answers people when they doubt him. And this is so important for you to hear on Father's Day. It's not about you. I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. Many operate in the fear about the future because they're worried about their past instead of having hope in the future. And they just got bogged down. And I would say that's a huge part of what's going on right now. People, So many people are still living in 2020. Don't you think? So many people are just wondering when the next thing is going to happen. Is the new strain going to shut us down again? What's going to happen with inflation? What's going to happen with the stock market? What's going to happen? And we're still living in fear. That night, the Lord said to him, here's what I want you to do. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Okay, these are false idols. Then build a proper kind of idol to the Lord your God. God wanted Gideon to do a little house cleaning, so if you've been listening to the last couple of weeks of the sermons, dump out the jar, get rid of the negative influences, put up a privacy fence, be convicted about what's going wrong in your life right now, and I don't know what that might be. I honestly doubt if any of you have altars to Beetlejuice in your house, okay? But, 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 but there even, you'll figure it out, even then there's still doubt in, in Gideon's mind. And so he does some testing of God with the fleeces, if you've ever heard that story. And God seems okay with it. Gideon's like, okay, I want to test you. And God's like, okay, here's the proof. And finally, Gideon is convinced that that this is all real and it really was God and he's not been eating the wrong mushrooms. That's where we are. So then he calls all the people together and says, guess what? We're going to fight the Midianites. And he calls everybody together and they have 32,000 men, which is really great, unless... The Midianites have like four times that many, which they do. So God says, Gideon, I'm paraphrasing, okay, we need to talk, which I'm sure, it's not in the Bible, but I'm sure Gideon's like, okay, good, God. God realizes that we need more men. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're outnumbered four to one. And God says, you got too many men. I cannot deliver the Midianites into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. Gideon has to be a little bit confused, but by this point, part, he, he is, he's listening to God, okay? And so he does it. He says, hey, if you're scared, go home. 22,000 men out of 32,000 men went home. 22,000 men who had no story to tell for the rest of their lives. Grandpa, did you fight in the miracle war? Nope. I went home because I was scared. Come on, dads. So now it's 10,000, verse 130,000. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take the men down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. (laughs) That had to be a little scary. But but because it's not about you. You, you don't need 10,000, men. I want to thin them out. So God does a test. And he sends them down to the river to drink. This is a place where you can actually go and, and, and be right at the, at the pl- same place this happened when you're in Israel. It's one of my favorite places to go. You can go down and do this little test yourself. 90, what happened with 10,000 guys just stuck their faces in the water? And 300 guys cupped the water in their hands, and they drank it, all right? And the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands, (laughs) okay? Gideon, mighty warrior. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm in a pit. I'm hiding from the Midianites. Uh, You can do it. Lead the men. Okay, finally. 32,000 versus 130,000. Well, okay, if you're with us, God, no. 300. Because God's goal was to prove the victory was total and completely from Him. And He has that same goal in our lives to get us totally dependent on Him. And whoever you are and whatever your battle is in front of you, whether it's fatherhood or motherhood or whatever else you're you're working on today, please understand that God doesn't need more to win the victory. He needs less. He just needs you to be dependent on Him. And then he says, go in the strength you have and save Israel, mighty warrior, out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. I don't have very much strength. I don't care. Go in the strength you have. I'm not sure I can be a good dad. It doesn't matter. None of us can. Go in the strength you have. That's all God is asking for you. So here's what we need to learn from Gideon. First of all, we need to change the way we view failure. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Guess what? You're gonna fail. Your attitude towards failure determines your attitude after you fail. Failure can start you on a new adventure. Babies fall down a lot before they get the hang of walking. That's how you learn. You become a great sailor sailor by going out to sea and facing storms, not by staying in the harbor. You become a great warrior by going into battle, not by avoiding it. You become a great leader by stepping up and taking responsibility and taking risks. You become a great dad by trying and failing and apologizing and then trying again. And sure, you'll never fail if you don't try anything, but you're also never going to accomplish anything. In, in life, the question is not will you have problems? The question is how will you learn from your problems? So when you fall, you're going to get up. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We need to change the way we view failure, it's just a lesson. We must surrender the outcome to God. This is really important on Father's Day. The warrior cannot control the outcome. He can only control the effort. You know what makes a great church great? It's not a few superstars. It's all kinds of people who are stepping up and doing what God called them to do. As a dad, as a parent, all you can do is your best. And here's the heartbreaking truth. Your kids are going to make their own decisions. And some of them will make decisions that you won't like. And some of them will break your heart. But don't stop trying. You see, the victorious warrior wins the battle one battle at a time, wins the war one battle at a time. You overcome an addiction one day at a time. You become a better dad, one decision at a time. Let me just take you back through this whole thing: what Gideon does. He starts in verse. 7 of chapter 6 and and God calls him a warrior even though he's hiding out and he builds his confidence and then you get to verse 17 and Gideon asks for a sign I want to know who you are and he gets the answer in verse 21 of chapter 6 and in verse 23 Gideon God tells Gideon relax man you're not going to die and in verse 25 Gideon gets his first job to tear down the altars to, to Baal and build a proper altar and sacrifice to God a- a- and you need to notice that it happened at night why Because Gideon was scared, right? He was afraid, so he went at night to tear down the the, the idols because he was a little bit worried that people weren't going to be happy. Verse 30, the next morning, everyone wants to kill Gideon for tearing down the Asherah pole. But his dad defends him, which is really awesome until you realize that it was his dad's false idol in the first place. Verse 34, Gideon called the men of Israel to arms, and they all showed up and followed him. Verse 39, he says, don't get mad at me, can I have one more sign? And he started just slowly building this confidence as a a mighty warrior, one step at a time. Then you get to chapter 7, and we go, 32,000 warriors, nope, that's too many, 10,000, nope, we're going down to 300. And in Judges 7, 7, then it says, all is in God's hands. And what I'm telling you all that for is because we would all like to to think that we were in charge. But you've got to surrender the outcome to God. You've, you've You've got to overcome your fear of failure and let God be God and learn to trust and depend on God. And the third thing I want to tell you is that we must believe God will give me what it takes to succeed. A warrior who is empowered by God has what it takes to win, okay? God has given you, dads, what it's going to take to do what he called you to do. God is sending you. God is leading you. He is calling you. He is stirring you. That's what he does. And it's the devil who says, you're not good enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. You're, You're not a good leader. You're too sinful. You should go hide in the pit. So today, don't listen to the discouragement. Realize that God is sufficient to carry you through. So the rest of the story is Gideon Gideon goes to the Midianite camp with thousands of warriors and, and he's armed with 300 men who don't even have weapons. They just have trumpets and pots. Okay? That's what they have. And Gideon... And the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Again, 300 people, hundreds of thousands of warriors. And just after they changed the guards, they blew the trumpets. And they broke the jars. And, and yeah, that would scare you probably if you were dead asleep, right? But, but would it scare you like this? And and the three companies blew the trumpets and smashed their jars and grasping their torches in the left hand in their right hands the trumpet they were to blow they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And while each man held his position around the camp all the Midianites ran crying as they fled mommy right and 300 trumpets sounded the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. This is a nasty, fun Father's Day story, isn't it? It's so awesome. They're like, I don't know what's going on. I mean, it looks like Monty Python going on here. And the army fled towards Beth Shitta. And I didn't need to say that last part, but it's fun to say. So God took care of the rest. They turned on each other and they fled in fear. And even though it was literally 500 Midianites to one of Gideon's men, talking about an underdog story, in other words, what I'm saying is, if you change the way you view failure, if you surrender the outcome to God, if you believe that He will give you what it takes to survive, all you need is a trumpet and a jar to scare all your enemies all the way to Beth Shitta. And do you know what the people of beth have said when all those extra Midianites got there? Beth-Shear is full. Thank you. That'll preach all day, dilly-dilly. Come on. I want you to know I got special permission from the elders to so go ahead and use that. Here's what the Bible says, His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and His own goodness. What has He given us? Everything we need. For what purpose? For life and godliness. How do we get it? Through our knowledge of Him. Some of you are going to wake up one day and you're going to go, how did I miss the opportunity? Don't let a fear of failure Be greater than your faith in God, especially as a parent. Mark Twain said it this way. He said, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than you will by the things that you did. And as an old father, I can tell you that that is exactly true. Maybe maybe that's you today. Maybe you say, I haven't been the spiritual leader in my home. I haven't run my business the way I should. I've compromised my convictions. I've got regrets for what I've done or what I've not done. Yeah, Gideon would have had that right up until the time the angel of the Lord met him in the threshing floor. And, and, and listen to this scripture, because you get to, you get to Hebrews chapter 11. It's so awesome. It, it, I mean, you, you, you get to Philippians chapter 3, it's so awesome. It says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You can't change the past. You, can't, you, you can only change the direction of the future. So you say, I get, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get out of the boat, I'm going to step out on the water because Jesus says so. You say, well, if God says I'm a warrior, I'm going to get out of my little hiding place in the pit, and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go do it. And if God gives you a kid, he's already telling you, yeah, you got this, I've got this, we're going to do this together. Your story is still yet to be written. And you get to Hebrews 11, and the Hebrew writer just, you know, kind of, has this inspirational moment and he says and what more shall I say I do not have time to tell you about and then he fills in the blanks of all these heroes of the bible and who's the first name Gideon Barak Samson Jephthah David Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms administered justice and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, who escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. What shall we say? They changed the way they viewed failure. They gave the outcome to God, and they believed that God would give them what they needed for success. Here's what he said again. Go in strength, in the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not with you? I want to tell you, dads, today, God is with you, mighty warrior. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my dad and um, the supernatural way he he had the power to raise me because. That was never easy. And I am thankful for the fact that I got to be a dad and that you gave me sensitive daughters and a wife that could deal with it. And I love them so much. And I thank you for my grandkids. And and I just want to pray. uh, My wife's going to have a hard weekend because this is first Father's Day without her dad. And I know there are people here with all kinds of emotions about Father's Day, um, no matter what they are i just want to pray for all of them and all of us we're supposed to honor our fathers, so so we do that but lord most importantly i want us to look forward i i i want us to get out of the pit get out of the the bathroom stall where we're worried about the bullies coming to beat us up and be strong and courageous. I, I want the men to be the men that you called them to be. I want the fathers to be the fathers that you called them to be. I know they feel insecure. I get it. I know they don't feel equipped. I know they feel hindered by their past. I get it. So to Gideon, so do I. But you are looking at us and we need to believe you. God is with you. Mighty warrior. We claim that promise today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening. Like I mentioned before, we would love to hear from you. And if you want to talk with our team about taking your next step toward God, visit parkbychurch.com slash next steps to let us know. Now may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. See you next time.